Good afternoon. I am Pastor D. McCoy, the African American voice in classical music, and I welcome to welcome you to this very special edition of the African American Voice in Classical Music. Today we start a new series entitled I Too Sing America. This series is devoted and is a sequence of interviews that celebrate the African American male presence in the international firmament of opera and classical music. Today's guest is a very special guest to the show. Mark Dawes is a celebrated bass baritone, and he is here to discuss with us the upcoming performances of his signature role of Mephistopheles with the Santa Fe Opera. A celebrated singer, his accomplishments include a Grammy Award for his work on the recording of Simile by Handel and numerous engagements with the famous La Scala, La Scala in Italy. When he is not touring, Mr. Doss divides his time between residencies in Toronto and Pennsylvania. Good afternoon, Mr. Doss. Good afternoon. How are you today? <laughs> I'm fine. Uh, just uh, going between uh, performances now, so uh, trying to get myself all set up for the the new uh, time situation. Uh, we have early. Oh, great, great! But uh, now we have just uh, the late late night uh, performances, so it's always a transition to make. Um, sure, it's such an honor to speak to you. My first time that I um, heard your wonderful voice was I bought the recording of. Handle Simile, which was a, which won a Grammy Award. Could you maybe discuss with us your collaboration in that project? Well, yes, um, Simile I did in um, London. Uh, Those uh, while, while I was singing at uh, Glyndebourne in the Glyndebourne Festival, uh, I was doing the role of uh, Sarastro in the Magic Flute, and uh, I recall going uh, going up to London from there in order to do the, um, the bit of a. Uh, CD work there in the studio, so uh, it's the first time I was, uh, you know, privileged to do that kind of work uh, with um, John Nelson, the conductor, and uh, certainly I ran into Kathleen Battle and uh, uh, Sylvia McNair. I had uh, sung with in uh, at Indiana University, and there and uh, you know Marilyn Horn as well, and Samuel Ramey. I didn't get to see everybody. I think uh, basically I think I ran into Kathy Battle probably. Um, it was such a sort of a you know separated sort of process, which was kind of strange to me. Uh, it's the first time doing a, a recording, but uh, it was an exciting, exciting process. Um, I think a couple years after then they had the uh, the nominations, you know, for for Grammy Award and whatnot. And I, I think I, ble- I believe I, I received a, a notice, uh, but um, I was not in a place where I could actually uh, you know go there or to. Even uh, see the awards. Maybe I thought. I think I saw just the end. Maybe just after or before the uh, actual nomination for classical recording. And um, so I wasn't really aware of the fact that it had won the category. And, um, and then I received a notice uh, from the Academy that uh, they wanted where uh, I could possibly they could possibly present the award to me if I wanted, uh, or just send the the Grammy award to me. And uh, that was quite exciting, so uh, I still sort of show it around to uh, students. And I go to, to schools and whatnot and sing for them. Uh, that's always a privilege just to, to pull that out and have them sort of marvel on you know, what the possibilities could be for them.
Uh, that is such a high honor. And then with such a star-studded cast, though, I know that that was such a privilege to be a part of that. Now, what was your early introduction? I just heard you mention that you go around to schools and so forth. What was your early introduction as a child to music, particularly classical music? Well, uh, well, I guess in the public school system, I mean, I started in the uh, public school system for a couple of years, went to Catholic school, and then back to public, back and forth. Um, so I think it um, must have been in the public schools uh, that we had a field trip going to the, um, see the, the, see the Cleveland Orchestra, listen to the Cleveland Orchestra doing a, a rehearsal of some sort. And um, so that, you know, being growing up in Cleveland, that would have been the, uh, the best connection to that. Um, in high school, I didn't. Uh, started um, working on music sort of to get myself uh, going out of high school. I sort of dropped a grade or two, and I needed to really make up some time. So then I was given the opportunity to be in the choir and uh, take drama. So those two sort of went hand in hand. Uh, I remember even in the fifth grade, I think there was a, a teacher I had, a uh, music teacher that uh, heard something me some of my singing for Wells Fargo Wagon, you know, solo and falsetto type stuff. Or I, was, I don't know if the voice had broken. I should have by then. But um, she said, well, it's fantastic. You go to New York and make a lot of money right now. And so that, that just, you know, shied me away from ever doing anything close to music again. Uh, I went to sports and sort of stayed there, as I said, until I got to the end of uh, my high school time and decided to get moving. So, yeah, the choir, the drama led to other things, uh, Godspell, uh, I sang, you know, the solo, prepare you the way of the Lord, you know, and um, and then that mm-hmm. took me to one of the arts programs that Cleveland had uh, introduced for the first time, a uh, work-study program for the summer participants um, to uh, have training in the arts. And at the end of that um, summer, we had uh, put on a production. Uh, we, were, we got training in dance, acting, and singing. And uh, we put on a production of the uh, original adaptation of The Wizard of Oz called The Wizard That Is of which I played the, the lead of uh, Daniel Gale, sort of a, a cross mixture of, a, um, you know, non-racist, non-sexist you know, sort of you know, roles. It's a very, very powerful experience. And um, so that's pretty much where that led me to the seminary. Um, I was going into the seminary the year after that, and I continued to take music um, for the ministry. And then when that sort of got sidetracked, <laughs> I certainly had a lot of... Uh, <laughs> Musical things just to fall back on. So there I am. Uh, I just was about to ask you that because a lot of times when I talk to different singers, a lot of times their roots are in the church. They were singing uh, spirituals or anthems in the church choir, and the church uh, somewhat became their first stage. Could you maybe talk about that transition? How did you know that you, uh, in the beginning, you had an initial call to priesthood, but then it transitioned to music? How did that all come about? Well, uh, from the beginning, I think, because I lived next door to the, the priest, uh, the uh, the rectory, and, you know, mm-hmm. he's uh, very, very kind, and uh, uh, I get to know one of the religious brothers, uh, Brother Hugh Henderson, he's sort of a mentor, and uh, certainly makes sure I, you know, follow the right path and, uh, you know, serve Mass, and you know, he's always there to sort of, um, you know, beat the drum and uh, make sure that I... Uh, was on time and whatnot, and so you know, that was always important. And I looked up to him. Uh, he's uh, he played organ. He has a nice voice of his own. So he was one that got me sort of going in the you know one of the evenings or afternoons I think after after church uh, to work on Ave Maria, the Schubert's Ave Maria, and um, a couple other songs. And then he suggested I sing for one of the funerals, uh, you know, for 
uh, the uh, parishioner's uh, mother had passed away, and uh, so I, I worked that up enough, and uh, that was sort of a hair-raising experience, unfortunately, um, <laughs> going out of tune here and there. Uh, I think I even got uh, got him to tell Brother Hugh that I might not give up my day job or something like that or, or think about doing something else. But um, it, it did get better after that, uh, sort of, you know, the nerves of a first-time performance. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I said, uh, singing a few times then in church there before going on to uh, seminary because as I grew up next to the, uh, to the rectory, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a priest, be like these guys that I really emulated, and um, to play baseball. Somehow I was going to try to do both of them, be a baseball-playing priest. But um, <laughs> as, it, as it turned out, uh, you know, the priesthood was there uh, even at the end of high school when I was playing basketball or East Tech High School, you know, where Jesse Owens went to school and Harrison Dillard, some of the big track people, uh, but they were really well known for basketball at the time. They won state championships and I think a couple of years before I joined uh, my last my two years of high school. So I was on the varsity squad and, uh, you know, did, did quite well and got recruited even by a guy from, the, by somebody from West Point at the time when I was trying to make this final decision. So, you know, I had to pray about that and Obviously, you pray about uh, you know going to seminary, going to West Point. You're probably going to go to seminary, so that's mm-hmm. where that um, led to. And uh, yeah, so the, the music came in after that. Uh, I was doing best in math in school, so I thought I'd major in that and minor in uh, in music because there seemed to be some aptitude in music. Um, as it turned out, I still hadn't, didn't had enough. Uh, I didn't have enough uh, background in math, so I wound up uh, going into sociology, something I thought was important to learn how people act in groups. So that was my major, and I used to still music as a minor. But as I went on, I just kept taking more and more courses in music, and uh, you know, I wound up with a, a double major in uh, music and sociology, um, of which I was still thinking music would not be the uh, the primary focus of my you know ongoing career because um, it's kind of um, you know chancy. Uh, so you know, I thought about being a, a singing social worker. And uh, you know, coming into home, saying I'm going to solve your problems. You know, I just don't think that would go off so well. Though, I took my GREs, my graduate, you know, um, with the tests in uh, sociology, and it went pretty well. But I went and did auditions at the time for Indiana University, um, Cincinnati. I was going to do Cincinnati Conservative. Actually, went to Illinois, Champaign Urbana. I remember uh, William Warfield was there. I, I actually sang for him. So uh, that went extremely well. They offered me, um, you know, instructorships and whatnot, and uh, you know, types of scholarships for continuing my or starting my my graduate work. Uh, but then I went to Indiana University after that, and uh, the chairman of the department at um, St. Joseph's College, where I was in the seminary, um, was always raving about uh, Indiana because he had gotten his doctorate from there, and said it was one of the be- biggest opera companies in the the country. So I mean, they do seven pr- productions, um, you know, three uh, and. Six six in the, during the year semester and then one in the summer, as well as a, a musical. So uh, mm-hmm. it is a you know almost a full scale opera company for the most part. Um, so I went there and I sang for them. I, I was expecting to get sort of a you know nice voice stand over there with the other 100 that we auditioned earlier today, but uh, to the contrary, I got um, extremely positive response and they said we really, really look forward to you coming here and being a part of the operas and. Uh, so that was pretty much uh, you know, sealing my fate. I thought, well, you know, if they're one of the biggest, the biggest opera or music school in the world, I had this sort of um, you know, impression about my singing. I should, um, I should, um, you know, go there. So 
that's pretty much the the transition, and uh, you know the rest is almost history. But uh, oh wow! Now that we're at and you've brought me up to Indiana University, could you describe that first uh, time that you sang in Faust at Indiana? All right. Well, yeah, it was, it was an extremely, um, I mean, imp- impressionable sort of uh, a time. I had just uh, done a couple of roles already, Con- Conchak and Prince Igor, which, uh, you know, all of the operas were done in English at that time. So uh, that was a pretty big deal, you know, the Polyvetsian dances, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, I'm in charge of all that. I'm presenting all that to Prince Igor. So from there I went to uh, Don Pasquale the next semester, which I was playing Don Pasquale, so my old habits of uh, being able to do comedy well sort of came out as a serious role to comedy. And then you have uh, Faust was the the next year, the beginning of that uh, semester. So that was um, then a kind of a combination of uh, the two. I mean, you have in Faust and Mephistopheles uh, from Gounod, the um, sort of the slapstick sort of side, and also there's a very serious side, you know, a very demonic sort of side that uh, this Mephisto has. And we had um, Ross Allen was the uh, the director. He was the um, sort of the resident director and uh, extremely extremely good uh, talented as far as um, you know his ideas, his creativity. Uh, and uh, I think that was a, a great help. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the um, the one photo I have of me up on top of the table with um, the chorus mm-hmm. guys powering back, and you know that was a shot they used for many years after in their uh, recruiting brochure. And it just, you know, set a wonderful dramatic, um, you know, uh, tempo climate uh, for the for the character. Uh, Nicola Rossi de Meni was also uh, um, the teacher of the other uh, Mephistopheles, you know, double cast. So uh, I know that I knew that he had, you know, worked with Maria Callas. He had done. Uh, he spoke French fluently. I studied with Walter Castle at the time, and Walter was an amazingly uh, dramatic man. He he did the Ballad of Baby Doe with uh, Beverly Sills. Uh, debuted that, and um, you know, it's that internal sort of uh, intensity that um, was uh, easily transmitted to, into me. Uh, but uh, Rossi Levani had the sort of the almost the external, because uh, he could put on a, a character immediately, and uh, you could see it on the outside. So I eventually studied the role with Rossi Levani, um, um and uh, did it in, in French with him. Uh, as he, so he spoke French, Russian, and Italian fluently, and uh, so that that was you know. A great experience. I mean, being on stage, doing that opera, um, and working with some really good people in the cast. Uh, one of the baritone I just uh, saw in Vienna, Elam Ely, uh, who sort of you know reminisced about some of that production. Um, he was the Valentin in that um, in that production, I recall. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a great experience. He got a good review uh, in the you know local paper. And I think they said something about you know the vocal part was a um, Maybe a little lacking on my part because they said, "Well, you know, no, no, you know, young singer can really accomplish Mephistopheles. That's that's just something that requires mm. a more mature, older voice, you know." So, um, well, I think I've gotten that sense uh, and uh, I've maintained the uh, dramatic uh, part, having gone through the Goethe, uh, you know, the story of Faust and um, Doctor Faustus uh, Marlowe. So you have a good amount of background and whatnot, especially in the beginning. Uh, my early transitions into uh, the new roles have always been very good because I think I've done a lot of um, research on the roles background and I try to bring that into the characters. So that's, um, that's pretty much in a nutshell uh, how I did that. Well, and I you know, to tell you about the negative part, which is that <laughs> it took me 12 years to actually do the role again. Uh, in, uh, I did it in French 
with uh, John Moriarty, who's the, uh, wrote the book on diction, uh, French, German, Italian, and Latin, in uh, Boston. Uh, you know, he teaches at the Boston Conservatory. So that was, um, whether it took that long, it's, it was still quite a, a good experience. Uh, and this so. year marks your, this, this is your crowning 25 years that you've been at this road of Mephistopheles. Uh, how is it that I think it's neat to know that you are studying well, the priesthood, and most of the time you're playing a devil. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it, it does certainly get you to do the research and um, you know find out what the other side is like. And I I heard enough stories when I was in the seminary about um, you know priests and brothers who talked about such things, not may, maybe direct um, you know connections to exorcism and whatnot, but certainly experiences that made them understand that there was a, another side that existed, whether they had to come face-to-face with it, but, you know, through people, sort of like um, slight demonic sort of possessions of sorts when, you know, they would go into prisons and whatnot and, and be there to minister to people and all of a sudden hear these voices coming from these people that you wouldn't expect and saying, you know, you're a liar, blah, 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 stuff like that, you know, and so made impressions upon them and, uh, you know, even... Uh, some of the people that were in the theology, I think, when I was uh, just uh, early stages of the seminary, talked about performing, you know, seance. They thought, well, you know, let's try it out. You know, <laughs> and then, then they got some of the the signals that told them, oh, maybe we shouldn't have been doing this. So, um, you know, I, I certainly believe that uh, there is that element of uh, evil that exists, and it's better to know about it than not to know about it. And um, mm. Definitely. Yeah, I have a short clip of you I have a short clip of you singing Le Vodor, uh from mm-hmm. Faust that I would like to play uh for the listeners. This is a short okay. excerpt sung by Mr. Doss. <laughs> La famille de droits des peuples confondus, au pitons des aigus, dans ce titre de Rodefonne, autour de Pompier de Taille, autour de Pompier de Taille, et ça t'a compris la balle, quand il dit la balle, et ça t'a compris la balle, quand il dit la balle. Wow. That was on a loop. 
<laughs> it was. That was wonderful. It sounds like it requires a lot of stamina. Could you maybe talk about the preparation that you have to put into the preparation of this role, even now that you've been playing it for 25 years? All right. Uh, well, I, I still do a, a pretty good regiment of, uh, you know, calisthenics, uh, morning stretching out and, uh, you know, whatever, jumping jacks, jump rope. Uh, we had to jump rope uh, playing uh, basketball, 750 in the five minutes. So, you know, you can't make too many mistakes when you're doing it at that level. So I, I still try to stay close to that. And um, and so, yeah, it does take a, a bit of stamina. It's a nice weighted hula hoop that I use, too, basically about five or six pounds. It tends to uh, get all the muscles around the abdominals moving quite well. So, um yeah, I mean, it um, becomes a little bit more natural now. I used to have to think about the breathing a bit more. Um, so, you know, the brain is such a wonderful thing. It can really lock in certain things that are necessary to perform functions, <laughs> such as, uh, you know, singing long phrases and high phrases. Um, certainly that is one of the more difficult areas in the repertoire for uh, for bass singers. There's a passaggio, sort of a, a point where, you know, you go in the head voice and you sort of into a chest voice. So that's... You know, there's a lot of technical things that uh, have to be thought about. But as I said, I'm at a point now where I don't really have to think about them as much. It sort of uh, is on automatic pilot, and, you know, that's a good thing. Uh, but, you know, constantly, you know, those calisthenics are certainly help to keep the body in good shape. And um, I have to dance and sing a lot. In this production, I'm going up and down on a sort of a carousel, you know, the horses, how they go up and down. So I have a calf that I'm on top of, and it's going up and down as I'm singing some of those top notes. And um, at first, you know, they didn't really tell me where that was going to happen. So I thought, okay, let's see how let's see how the technique is really working. So I was sort of <laughs> smiling and thinking, let's see, anything you can throw at me, I can still get beyond. And uh, it sort of happened that way. But there was a one production I did in Frankfurt where actually I actually had to do a little dance step in the middle of that uh, which was also a bit complicated because, you know, you have to keep the brain doing something contrary to what you're actually singing about. And uh, that that's a tendency in a lot of productions these days to give you a few obstacles. But the, the, hopefully the audience, that's the goal. The audience, they don't they don't know what's going on. And wow. Now, this production of Faust uh, opened July 1st at, at Santa Fe Opera. Um, how do you think it's going so far? Uh, well, the opening went extremely well. Uh, I think uh, everyone sang very well, and uh, no big problems happened as far as all the, the juggling. Uh, just, yeah, I have to do with uh, props and things, um, quick changes and whatnot. Uh, it could be sort of a you know, risky sort of business to make sure everything goes really well, and it, and it did go well. So I think uh, mostly everybody's pleased and looking forward to the next uh, next nine. Wow. My next question is more of a question um, that I look to ask uh, as far as mentoring other young aspiring musicians, especially other young African-American musicians. What what were some of your significant experiences that you had as a young African-American male entering into this this realm of opera? There are so many other genres such as R&B or gospel and so forth. Could you maybe talk about that experience from that perspective? Well, yeah, I mean, when I thought about opera, I thought, well, this is the culmination of all the arts. I mean, the, the word opera is the plural of opus, you know, work. Uh, so you have works, 
And I thought, well, if you're going to do something as I did in school, I always did everything. I had to, as I told mm-hmm. you, music and sociology, and a double major, and then I, I tried to get as much Latin as possible. I almost got a minor in Latin, but nobody could teach any more courses. So uh, it, it becomes that sort of thing. Where I just sort of exhaust all the possibilities. You know, I did basketball, baseball, ran cross country, uh, tennis. So, you know, multi four letters. Um, that's me. So when you talk about let's do the art, art form that has the most uh, included, I thought, well, it's got to be opera. So uh, I, I took mm. that on. And mm, for other people, uh, I mean, I, I grew up certainly loving, uh, you know, Michael Jackson stuff, singing, you know, that uh, the music, uh, the Four Tops, uh, Temptations. I mean, those, those are eras back. I was just listening to, uh, you know, some Whitney Houston stuff, uh, Natalie Cole. I mean, so I, I could certainly perform in some of those uh, genres, and I've you know, delved into a little bit uh, my recital. Um, you know, repertoire usually goes into like ten different languages. I've done did a recital in eight different languages, and um, you start branching into slightly different things. If you could say I've done a little bit of gospel, a little bit of uh, pop, and uh, you know, and, and I like it. It's not uh, something I can say I'm a snob on. I can say, oh, and I only need to do opera. Um, you know, but uh, it's it's what I do because, as I said, it has seemingly everything, and um, I don't want to settle for <laughs> less than doing everything. That's just kind of the way I am. Uh, people wow. Into, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. I just wanted to say um, you had mentioned the, the aspect of recitals, and you did different languages and so forth, but, you know, I just wanted to point out that's very important. Um one thing I like about the, the era now, Facebook has really made uh, people more accessible. Like I mentioned to you, the first time I ever had uh, seen your name or, or knew anything about your career is when I saw the recording of Simile. And one thing I like about Facebook, Facebook has really put you uh, right back uh before the public for a younger crowd. Uh, what advice would you give to some of the younger singers as far as uh their desire to be an opera singer. What kind of things or preparation would you advise? Well, yeah, the uh, I've I've been asked that uh, you know several times. Um, you know, there's a question of whether you do it the old way, which was to uh, find a, a maestro, a conductor, and you sing for, and then he would say, "Fine, geez, I want you to sing this opera for me." I mean, that's that's kind of not as possible these days. So. Um, uh, you know, the other avenue is to go through competitions, uh, enter as many competitions as possible uh, to be uh, an apprentice, such as that was at the Santa Fe Opera. But there are also ensembles uh, that you can audition for, such as, you know, for the, Met- the Metropolitan. They have an ensemble of singers that they have. Uh, they do smaller roles, but they're given training. I was in the Chicago Lyric Opera uh, program. Um, Houston uh, has one, San Francisco you know, many of the the big ones, and even the smaller opera companies, the regional opera companies now have these um, uh, programs where they have, uh, you know, singers that uh, they can employ and they can give them, you know, stipend enough for them to to live and also to uh, study and to do some work on stage. And, you know, that's that's a a fantastic opportunity. To be in touch, as you said, like with uh, Facebook, uh, you know, these type of um, outreach sort of... um, networking type of things is still important because you can get in touch with um you know the the conductors the uh, directors uh even agents and things in order to uh, let them know who you are let them know who you are as a person as well as uh, <coughs> excuse me your talent so um it's a uh, yeah it's a good cross thing that you have to do is so that the competitions the schooling is important you know I went to Indiana University I got a master's degree um 
how important is that actually for having a career? Mm, not extremely important. You could certainly do well with a bachelor's degree, but uh, any type of degree, even an associate's degree, to, because it's at least a formal training, it gets you into the mode of what it takes to uh, be dedicated to the um, to the art form, to be disciplined. Um, so I mean, that's you know that's part of education. And I was really doing it well before I left Indiana. I wanted to start my doctorate and just about went into that program. But time was running out, and I, I went to um, start work, as I said, with Lyric Opera Chicago as a, an ensemble person. Uh, so it's, it's a cross of, of all those things. And um, I, I would say never leave a stone unturned to shake all the bushes and mm. try to find out um, which one will actually bear fruit because uh, you know there are many avenues and you can't guarantee, you can't go just one and guarantee that that's going to be the one that will make it work. That's that's wonderful advice. Now, after you leave Santa Fe Opera, you're going to begin uh, a new production with the Canadian Opera Company. Could you maybe share with us about your uh, role in Iphigenie? Yes, I, I was. Uh, I sang the role in San Francisco, uh, let's see, 2007, uh, for the first time. This is a Toas uh, in the opera. It's a sort of a Scythian king. Um, and uh, he wants to sacrifice everybody. Basically, is one of those things. Is like the uh, <clears throat> the priestess Iphigenie, who's trying to to save uh, some strangers that have arrived. Uh, but um, you know, he's the hardliner. And um, the the role that, that I did in San Francisco was uh, you know, very inspiring. It's a very high aria, as written um, as it was written. I mean, it can be changed, transposed, but I I did it as it was written. It's <clears throat> so almost a tenor aria. It goes quite high. Uh, but it was a great challenge, and um, as I say the character is a very powerful character. But basically, you know, there's an entrance, and then he has the, an, an end point. It comes back at the end of the opera, um, and with the conflict of the Iphigenie again about um, take, taking out these strangers who have arrived and should have been sacrificed by now, but she's been, um, you know, um, sort of not doing her her job. So this is a uh, yeah it's, it's a great it's a powerful role I mean it's it's a shorter role than Mephistopheles but um, it still has a very power, powerful has powerful moments in it and I look forward to doing it again certainly if you have something that's kind of difficult like that you want to have another shot at it so uh, this will be my opportunity to do that and uh, to really feel at home I mean French to French as well the both written in French uh, Gounod and and Gluck. So I look forward to that. Um, French was the first language I studied in uh, junior high school. Um, so, you know, that led to the, uh, well, Latin was also <laughs> still in use, actually, in the old rite and in, uh, in the, the church. So that was sort of in my ear. But, uh, you know, French and then Italian and German, Russian, you know, then Czech, and then they all started following. So but uh, French is sort of the, the one that I feel comfortable in. And so I'm looking forward to that. Wow. Earlier you had mentioned the late, great singer William Warfield. Could you maybe share some other great um, singers in the bass, baritone, vocal fox that, that really inspire you or you really listen to in your early stages of um, building your career? Well, most, uh, the the biggest ones, I mean, um, the African-Americans, um, you know, Cesare Siepi, everybody, um, the source basses well, emulated him, uh, George London. Uh, H.C.O. Pinza, going back a little to the older times, um, Alexander Kipnis, sort of the lower, lower bass voices, Ettore um, um, Bastianini, sort of that's a you know, more baritone, Robert Merrill, uh, the Americans, um, you have also, um, uh, I'm trying to think of um, a couple of the other ones, but uh, 
Uh, and I ran into Simon Estes also, um, and uh, I sort of uh, admired his uh, his work ethic and uh, you know some of his production that he's done many many different roles, the bass baritone repertoire. Um, I heard him sing King actually in uh, London. Uh, that was uh, the premiere of that uh, musical at the time, so that was pretty inspiring. And uh, you know, I chatted with him a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm the, other than bass baritone, you know, I did meet uh, Leontine Price. Uh, she presented mm. the um, what this is 1987, the um, uh, American Music Theater uh, Award uh, for uh, in the opera category. It's the George London Opera Prize. It was. Uh, so that was very inspiring, and um, I, re- I recall her commenting about me, saying, "Well, he is the real item." So I always mm. remember saying that. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, I mean, there it goes on and on as far as others that I've uh, run into. But um, uh, Martina Royal uh, reminds me. I sang with her a Verdi Requiem around eighty, eighty eight, eighty nine, I think it was. So uh, you know, she was actually just uh, a little before Leontine Price. Um, so yeah, it was uh, Shirley Barrett. You know, met her at uh, Michigan. Um, always and, uh, just blown away by her her vocal technique, and uh, heard many good things about her personality. And uh, you know, I experienced that in just little chats I had with her. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's a great great journey to be on to uh, get in touch with all these uh, fantastic people, and, uh, and you know what they brought have brought and still bring to the art form is uh, quite amazing. Fantastic but, indeed. You know, I was looking for videos. I was scouring on YouTube of all places trying to find clips of you singing, and one of the things I ran across was your recent wedding. Congratulations. All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> I ran across that. It's a, it's a clip of you that was wonderful to see. Um, just to close, I do want to say thank you very much for, for sharing uh, with us about your extraordinary career, and I do want to share with the listeners again that you will uh, be performing your signature role of Mephistopheles with the Santa Fe Opera. It opened July 1, and it continues until August the 27th. And uh, just in closing, is there any information that you would like to share with the listeners as far as your Twitter, where they can follow you on Twitter or your website? Uh, yes, there is still uh, Twitter and Facebook. Um, I don't know. Um, let's see what else we have there. Um, you know, msdos.com. I think it's marksdos.com mm-hmm. uh, as far as the um, the website. Uh, it can also be reached by msdos.com. We use that quite a bit, uh, and that's usually easy to remember. It used to be Microsoft Disk Operating System with another S. So uh, <laughs> uh, never got anything from Bill Gates for that. But, uh, you know, named after uh, the actor Mark Stevens. Uh, so so you'll see Mark Steven Doss quite a few times. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of uh, wow. where you find me. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Doss, for joining us today on this inaugural interview for the iTunes Sing America series. And I just want to close with you singing an excerpt from Salome. Oh, in the 
celebrated bass baritone Mark Stephen Doss, who served as the inaugural interview of the I2 Sing America series. And how appropriate that we begin this series at the beginning of July with the I2 Sing America series, inspired by the timeless poem by the great poet Langston Hughes. This has been Patrick B. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music. Now, thank you so much for joining me with, for this special interview with Mark Stephen Doss celebrated bass baritone who celebrates his 25th year um, with the Santa Fe Opera and the classic role of Mistopheles in the uh, opera of Faust. Our next interview, please stay tuned by following me on Facebook at Patrick B. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music. You can also follow me on Twitter at Patrick D. McCoy. Again, this is Patrick D. McCoy, the African-American voice in classical music, and I do wish you all a great day. Oh, <laughs> 